We welcome all of our new online listeners. Hi, my name is Dr. Stephen Finney, the hosting pastor of XL Church in IOM America. My wife Jane and I are blessed that you decided to join us. XL represents Exchange Life. Our church is an outreach of IOM America. Everything we do sits upon the pedestal of compassion. So let's get started. Enjoy the worship, illustrative videos, prayer, and weekly message. Hi, I'm Don Moen. Psalm 22 verse 3 promises that God will be enthroned on the praises of His people. When we walk with the Lord in the light of His Word, what a glory He sheds on. 
While we do His good will, He abides with us still, and with all who will trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no
Hey, friends, uh, I want to share one of my favorite stories um, from the New Testament with you today. You know, uh, with all that we've been through, uh, there are a lot of people that need to feel God's love. They need some kind of ministry. They need a good listening ear. And I want to encourage you to just be uh, ready, just kind of tune your ear into the needs of people during this time and, and allow God to use you. Uh, and sometimes uh, uh, God moves in the in the strangest ways. We want him to move in a religious setting in church while people are praying or but I, I just love the fact that he shows up, he surprises us in the most unexpected ways sometimes. And uh, this story uh, in Luke chapter 24, I'll just read a bit of it to you uh, from God's word translation. I like the way it reads. On the same day, it's uh, Luke 24, verse 13. On the same day, two of Jesus' disciples were going to a village called Emmaus. It was about seven miles from Jerusalem. Uh, They were talking to each other about everything they had seen and what had happened. While they were talking, uh, Jesus approached them and began walking with them. Although they saw him, they didn't recognize him. This I love this part of the story. It was Jesus who had just been raised from the dead, and their eyes were, were not open. They didn't, they didn't recognize him. And he came to them. This is, this is important to understand. He engaged in a conversation with them. He started the conversation. Hey, guys, what's happening? He said, what are you discussing? And they stopped and looked very sad. One of them, Cleopas, replied, are you the only one in Jerusalem who doesn't know what has happened recently? <laughs> it's like, it's just an amazing scene to me because it's these disciples, they're talking to the Son of God. And they're saying, like, duh, are you the only one that doesn't know what's happened? And you know what Jesus said? Rather than him being the Son of God, revealing himself to these men and and saying, behold, I am he. You know, what does he say? He says, what happened? He engaged them in a conversation. And I, and I want you to remember this when it comes to uh, going through your everyday lives, you, you interact with people all the time. And sometimes ministry happens just because you have a good listening ear. You're, you're willing to listen to somebody rather than going to someone and say, this is what the Lord told me to tell you, or this is what you should do. Sometimes it's just being a good listener that allows God to use us. Um, they say, are you the only one that doesn't know? He goes, no, what happened? And they said to him, we were discussing what happened to Jesus from Nazareth, who they were speaking with. They didn't know it. He was a powerful prophet in what he did and said in the sight of God and all the people. Our chief priests and rulers had him condemned to death and crucified. Uh, We were hoping that he was the one who would free Israel. What's more, this is now the third day since everything happened. Some of the women from our group startled us. They went to the tomb early this morning and they didn't find his body. They told us that they had seen angels who said that He's alive. Some of our men went to the tomb and found it empty, as the women had said, but they didn't see him. Then Jesus said to them, How foolish you are 
you're so slow to believe everything the prophets said. Now, they still didn't know this was Jesus, and he didn't tell them, hey, open your eyes. This is who I am. No, he engaged in this conversation, uh, and he started to explain the scriptures to, to them. Didn't the Messiah have to suffer these things and enter his glory? Then he began with Moses' teachings and the prophets to explain to them what was said about him throughout the scriptures. Can you imagine Jesus, the Son of God, sitting with you and opening up the scriptures and, and, and explaining them? An amazing story. And they still didn't know who he was. When they came near the village where they were going, Jesus acted if, his, if he were going farther. They urged him, stay with us. It's getting late and the day is almost over. So he went to stay with them. And while he was at the table with them, he took bread and blessed it. He broke the bread and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him, but he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, weren't we excited? And the Bible says, weren't our hearts were stirred um, when he walked with us and talked with us on the road and opened up the meaning of the scriptures for us. Weren't our hearts stirred? And uh, I, I guess uh, what I wanted to share with you today is just be ready um, to let God use you in the most uh, unexpected circumstances. It doesn't have to be in a church setting. It doesn't have to be in a religious setting. You could be having coffee with a friend and you'll you just feel that you could there's something that you need to share. And in the middle of that coffee meeting, Jesus will appear. Uh, and, and, and the example that Jesus set here is he was a listener. When these people were, tro- when the, the guys were troubled of what's going on, d- do you know what's happened? He goes, no, tell me. So I think when, when, when you interact with people throughout the day, there's a lot that people have on their hearts. They want to share. They don't know really what to say sometimes. And sometimes just being a good listener, just lending an ear uh, will allow people to be touched uh, by God's presence and, and, and God for, for God to use you, even though you may not feel like you're the most qualified person to be used, just be a good listener and allow God to use you in a mundane, everyday setting. I want you to be looking for that as you go through your day-to-day. Uh, as you're uh, going to get your coffee, or as you're going to the store, as you're interacting with your family or your children, just ask the Lord to open your ears, open your eyes, so you can see how he might want to use you in the most mundane uh, situation. So Lord, I pray for my friends today that you would open their ears, open their eyes, help them to be good listeners and understand that you don't need a religious setting. You don't need a time of prayer or something that looks familiar to move. You can move anytime and anywhere. And we ask you to use us. Lord, we just open our lives to you and say, use us, Lord. Uh, take what we have and use us through this day, through this week, to reach somebody with the light of the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all.
We are on a journey, a journey through the book of Revelation. Our main theme is unfolding the power of prophecy. One of the key things we need to keep in mind here is that the book of Revelation is not a book of prophecies. It is prophecies that you've been given since the first day of man being fulfilled. We're honored that you decided to join us. We certainly expect you to be challenged and blessed. Most Christians today avoid the study of this book. There's probably good reasons to that because of the supposed symbols that are within this book. We need to take special care of those symbols because those symbols are communicating exact truth about the book of Revelation. As for our little fellowship, the Lord has blessed us with a deep understanding of his prophecies. I personally have been studying them for over 30 years. We pray that all who listen today will be motivated to study his final words to the seven churches. Today we begin Revelation number 32, the fifth trumpet. Father, we ask that the people that are going to be listening to this message today would be given special insight by and through the Holy Spirit. If there are unbelievers that are listening to this message today, Father, I pray that it becomes an invite and receiving the indwelling life of Jesus Christ. So today we rely completely upon your understanding that lives within the true, authentic, born-again believers. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's review our scripture for today. It's in Revelation chapter 9, verses 1 through 12. It says this, Then the fifth angel sounded, And I saw a star from heaven which had fallen to the earth, and the key of the bottomless pit was given to him. He opened the bottomless pit, and smoke went up out of the pit, like the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened by the smoke of the pit. Then out of the smoke came locusts upon the earth, and power was given to them as the scorpions of the earth have power. They were told not to hurt the grass of the earth, nor any green thing, nor any tree, but only men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. And they were not permitted to kill anyone, but to torment for five months. And their torment was like a torment of a scorpion when it stings a man. And in those days men will seek death and will not find it. They will long to die, and death flees from them. The appearance of the locusts was like horses prepared for battle, and on their heads appeared to be crowns like gold, and their faces were like faces of men. They had hair like the hair of women, and their teeth were like the teeth of lions. They had breastplates like breastplates of iron, 
and the sound of their wings was like the sound of chariots, of many horses rushing to battle. And they have tails like scorpions and stings, and in their tails is the power to hurt men for five months. They have as king over them the angel of the abyss. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in the Greek he has the name Apollyon. The first woe is past. Behold, two woes are still coming after these things. Warning: This is no movie. We are about to tackle one of the most controversial passages in the Book of Revelation: the issue of the falling star. Most of it sounds like something out of a sci-fi movie, you know, falling stars with a key, burning pit, and locusts looking as scorpions. Who, by the way, must follow the orders of God? Each required not to harm plant life, but only torment people who do not have the mark on their foreheads. And of course, that's the hundred and forty-four thousand pure bloodline Jews remaining on the earth during this time. Believe me, John couldn't have made this stuff up, even if he tried. Certain Bible theologians believe this star is Satan. As mentioned in our previous message, a star is the symbol of a prince, leader, or military chief—basically a warrior. While it would be easy to believe this star is Satan, the scriptures are unclear as to who this military leader is. What we do know is the key to the bottomless pit was given to him. It tells us in Revelation 1:18. And the living one, with a capital O, and the living one. And I was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and Hades. God made it clear that Jesus is the one who holds the keys to death and Hades. This angel was handed a single key, the key to the bottomless pit. Therefore, I'm confident in my belief that this angel was under direct orders of God to release the horrid beast bound to this pit. This star is probably an archangel such as Michael, since the archangel Gabriel is an angel that functions quote to reveal that which is to come in the day of judgment, to make known a vision, and to give understanding. And wisdom, knowing this, Michael is more apt to be this angel. Please read Daniel chapter eight, verses sixteen through twenty-two. Angel Gabriel was the most likely angel assigned to John while receiving visions while he was in heaven. But Michael, the archangel, is the warring angel. Michael is considered the quote patron angel of Israel. Read Daniel twelve one. Throughout the Old and New Testaments, he is referenced as quote the champion angel who defends God's people. According to Daniel chapter twelve, he will lead the celestial hosts in the final battle against the forces of evil. And as we know, that's the Battle of Armageddon. More significantly, we find him going toe to toe with Satan and Jude. It says this. 
But Michael the archangel, when he disputed the devil and argued about the body of Moses, did not dare pronounce against him a railing judgment, but said, The Lord rebuke you. That's out of June 1-9. Here's a fact. Michael is one of the specialty angels of the present, who stand beside the throne of God, according to Deuteronomy 34-6. In light of this passage, it states that the key to the bottomless pit was handed to him. It is highly likely that this star, angel, is indeed an angel who could be trusted. Let's take a look at how Satan's predictable goal is known to us indwelt believers. While it is true that Satan has been working to destroy God since the day he was removed from heaven, like a bolt of lightning, his attempts have always been restricted by God. It is self-evident that Satan hates those who are selected members of the kingdom of God particularly those of Israel. From the days of old, back in the time of Job, up to the persecuted saints of today, his hatred is like a stage four cancer. Therefore, the mandate given to unlock the pit challenges Satan. He becomes obligated to lead his beasts, torture the souls of those who stood with him in resisting the mark of God. How is that? For irony, we see this angel arriving on the scene once again in chapter 20 of Revelation. It says, Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding the key of the abyss, and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold of the dragon, the serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. And he threw him into the abyss and shut it, and sealed it over him, so that he would not deceive the nations any longer, until the thousand years were completed. After these things, he must be released for a short time. And as we learned in previous lessons, and we'll be talking about it again, he is released to fight this final battle, called the Battle of Armageddon. Again, it would be hard to stretch to classify this angel as Satan. In our chapter 20 passage, the angel with the key of the bottomless pit returns. But this time, to change Satan and drop him into the pit. Plus, why would God entrust Satan, his enemy, with the keys to his damnation? The bottomless pit is not hell. Let's take a look at that. If the bottomless pit is not hell, then what is it? Well, it's Hades. Hades is the temporary holding tank for those who have died before the final judgment, the thousand-year reign of Christ. Little is known about Hades, but much is said about the dynamics of hell. When we get to chapter 20, we will talk more about the difference. But for now, know that hell is the prison of the wicked and rebellious souls who have died since Adam. Plus, it will be the final resting place of torment for Satan and all of his demons. Up to this point, only a certain percentage of demons were free to roam on the earth, remembering 
those bound to the bottomless pit, which are being released in the fifth trumpet, and of course the 200 million tied and connected to the Euphrates, which will later be released. So things are about to change as we hit the fifth and sixth trumpet. The fifth trumpet sound is an announcement of five months of torment for those who did not bear the mark of God on their foreheads. Of course, that number is seven, seven, seven. The order came with not harming plant life. The dark reality is that those without the mark of God will not be able to find death or relief during this time. Each of the demon loci, which is plural for locusts, was ordered to torture without the sting of death. Well, let's review the demon locusts. Reviewing the passage again, this is verses 7 through 10. The appearance of the locusts was like horses prepared for battle. And on their heads appeared to be crowns like gold. And their faces were like the faces of men. They had hair like the hair of women. And their teeth were like the teeth of lions. They had breastplates like breastplates of iron. And the sound of their wings was like the sound of chariots. Of many horses rushing to battle. They have tails like scorpions and stings. In their tails is their power to hurt men for five months. These are unbelievable scary creatures. These things rise from the pit of hell with an attitude fully committed to carry out the marching orders of God. The hell that God has held in waiting since Adam and Eve chose to separate themselves from the Father. In the beginning there was no hell, but after the choice of the sin occurred first by Satan, who was tossed to the earth, which at the time was a formless planet. God knew he had to prepare a place for those who supported and followed Satan in his deceptions over mankind. So initially, the hell that is coming was prepared for a place for Satan and any of those who have followed him. In the beginning, there were probably three archangels, with Lucifer, now Satan, the chief of the three. At some point in eternity, Lucifer, meaning angel of light, decided to overthrow God and attempt to take the position of the throned one. That would be God the Father. It is understood that each of these three archangels was given a third of each of the angels. Lucifer brainwashed or deceived each of his angels to assist in the hostile takeover. But since our Creator is not easily intimidated by such manipulation, God removed Lucifer, renamed him Satan, and tossed him and his followers, now called demons, onto the earth. You can read more about that in Ezekiel 28, verses 11 through 15, and in Isaiah 14, verses 12 through 14. My point is this. Satan not only fell from heaven like a burning star, he was removed like a bolt of lightning. 
Now in Luke 10, 18, it says, And he, Jesus, said to them, I was watching Satan fall from heaven like lightning. When Jesus made this profound statement to his disciples, he spoke in the past tense, not the future. This does not refer to the time when Satan will be eternally cast out. This only clarifies the truth about how and when Satan was removed. It would be appropriate at this point to clarify a few details about the devil. The devil is a confident creature, meaning he was not a devil in his own original state. Still, when he decided, by his own choice, to attempt to steal the role of the father, he became the first and the last deceiver with a capital D. Secondly, all spirit beings and humans who rebel against the hand of the Lord and his commandments require a place of torment. Therefore, hell was prepared for the devil and his demons, and now for all those who followed his lies. That's found in Matthew 25, verse 41. Question. Are demons free to roam about on their own and have control over Christians? Well, let's take a look at that. According to Jude 1, verse 6, it says, And angels who did not keep their domain, but abandoned their proper abode, he has kept in eternal bonds until darkness for the judgment of the great day. This is a topic that demands much more time in white space, but I believe that Jesus himself holds the demons in eternal chains limitations, and they are limited in their ability to master humans. Their lies and deceptions are active and passed from generation to generation through the choices of man. They scream and cry out with sounds of defeat, and I, like most theologians, believe that they have an impact on humans throughout the New Testament and into the book of Revelation. The level of impact is classically what Christian theologians argue over to this day. They've argued so much it is pretty much diluted into there is no evil or there is no devil. But those of us who have eternal insight understand this simply is not true. Now let's look at the reality of hell. God initially did not form hell for man. God did not create man for hell. Initially, he created hell for an angel to be eternally imprisoned and punished for his great acts of rebellion. And that's God's greatest enemy who is called Satan. But the lion's share of men decided to follow Satan, which results in being sent to the same location as their God. And of course, that's Satan. Hell today is awaiting Satan and his followers in the center of the earth. And this hell will remain there until the consummation of all things. Even though most of this sounds Hollywoodish, it can be explained scientifically. A scientist once told me that the fault lines are in such places that if ever connected, the earth would split in half. And for those who doubt science, let's take a look at what Jesus said to the Pharisees. 
Matthew 12:38 through 40 says, Then some of the scribes and Pharisees said to him, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. But he answered and said to them, An evil and adulterous generation craves for a sign, and yet no sign will be given to it but the sign of Jonah the prophet. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the sea monster, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart center of the earth. During Jesus' time, this center was Hades. This passage primarily gives the prophetic text to Jesus, paying the price for our sins by literally descending into the lower parts of the earth, Hades, to pay for what we deserve. This passage certainly provided additional proof to hell being on the center of the earth after the time allotted for Hades. I rejoice in the fact that he did this for his chosen bridal members. Now let's get back to the locust issue. Out of the smoke, millions of loci will appear, which are most likely demons being described by John as unusual locusts. I believe that these locust creatures are the demons Jude talks about being eternally bound. Now is the time for their release. We Christians tend to think that demons are running freely with power to torment and do what they wish. I'm not one of them. If demons were released to do what they wanted, the end of the world would have occurred millenniums ago. Even now, during the fifth trumpet call, they are released with orders. I refuse to give Satan or his demons more perceived power than God says they have. I'm bored with the endless talk of the power of Satan and how he can control the Christian minds and bodies. I give about the same percentage of validity to this topic as the New Testament offers after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, which is very little. Don't get me wrong, I'm a firm believer in demons having limited power to harass earth dwellers and even born-again believers. However, I will not spend my time rebuking Satan or his demonic followers. Remember, Michael dared not rebuke Satan, but allowed the Lord to do the rebuking? Dealing with Satan is a serious business, and we should let the Lord handle such affairs. Let's review how the demons are given five months to torment. Men will be stung and bitten by demons and infected with a poison that demands suicide that will not be granted. They will hurt, beg, and scream, but they find no death for comfort. Do you realize what a supernatural happening this is? No guns, knives, or any such thing can kill them. No death. Every attempt at death will only create more pain. I know that five months does not seem like a long period of time in the spectrum of eternity, but five months of the worst kind of torture? Well, that might do the job. It states, with faces like men, bodies like horses, 
Crowns of gold, hair like a woman, and teeth like a lion. The armies of global empire are tempted to defeat them, but they have breastplates like iron, and they move so quickly that they sound like millions of chariots of horses going to battle. But wait, there's more. If you get too close to these saints, you'll become one of the stung ones. In fact, they seem to chase down anyone who does not have one of those glorious markings from the God of Abraham. If all this isn't unusual enough for you, these things have a king of sorts ruling over them, with the marking of the angel of the abyss. That is none other than the Antichrist. The authentic definition of angel of the abyss means Satan, the king of destruction. I know this is a horrible picture to paint, but I dare not soft-sell the word of God. I truly believe that what appears to be an allegory is a depiction of the literal. The gory scene revealed to us through the fifth trumpet will be an experience for some of your relatives, some of my relatives. Anyone who is not born again during this time Holy Spirit indwelt will be stung by one of these creatures. Sobering, I know. It appears that each trumpet that's being blown, we're finding more and more dark consequences that are being poured out upon the Antichrist, the false prophet, and the beast, and his demons, and all those who have chosen to follow Satan versus being indwelt by God through the Holy Spirit. Once we get through this part of the dark phase of the book of Revelation, there's many glorious, rewarding doctrines being revealed to us, all resulting in the true bridal members of Jesus Christ living with him on the new earth. I hope you look forward to the future talks, teachings, and Revelations will be discussing throughout the book of Revelation. We are glad that you joined us today. We understand that studying the book of Revelation is a challenge. We also want you to remember that it is impossible for you to comprehend the deep truths stated in the book of Revelation unless you have the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit living inside you. If you're an unbeliever, a non-Christian listening to these particular messages, at some point in time you're going to have to make a decision to either refute Christ or to accept him. In the PDF of this particular message, in most of our messages, we have a salvation prayer at the bottom of that PDF. Please keep that in mind. Again, thank you for joining us. We look forward to reconnecting with you in our next message. Until next time.